Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dynasty Bulls Podcast. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. We are your new host. I am Joshua Johnson. With me, who is always going to be with me, is Nick Hale to the Redskins. What is up, Nick? Oh, not much, Josh. I'm super excited to be partnering up with the guys there at DSW. I think right now the only way I could be more excited is if I was an Arizona fan. Great to see them uh, keeping Larry Fitzgerald in-house for the next couple seasons. Ah, news news on that front already. I wondered why somebody grabbed him in one of our mock drafts. But, uh, uh, yes, I just started two more mock drafts. I'm already confusing myself. Um, nobody's locked up Des Bryant yet, though, so that's, that's going to be an interesting twist there in Dallas as their relationship might be a little, uh, little hampered. But uh, I guess we'll see how that all works out. Uh, like I said, this is the... The new Dynasty Pulse podcast, I guess you say that. Uh, we have uh, uh, Dan, Dan the Man, Dynasty Dan the Man Hines to thank for really getting us in here, and obviously Jay and Jeff for, uh, you know, handing us the reins. Uh, Will, Will behind the scenes also has been a very, a very important so far. You know, we've only kind of been here a couple of weeks, and I, I really shouldn't say here because it's all, you know, all website. We're all kind of placed all over the place, but uh, a lot of a lot of great energy here. A lot of email exchanges already. People, you know, very excited about moving forward, and and we're very excited to hear at DFW about what we're going to bring here in the next couple of months because we we're ready, we're ready to hit it. We got we got a great staff, and we are we're ready to just. Really, really bring it. So we are uh, very, very excited to uh, to bring to bring you this podcast, and we're going to be here each and every week uh, doing that for you. So uh, tell your friends, tell your grandma if she likes Dynasty, she needs to listen to us. We are here to stay, and we're very, very excited to be broadcasting to you. So um, Nick, there's a um, a hundred players that will be allowed to compete in this new Veterans Combine on March 11th. What, it's interesting to see what the criteria is going to be. Um, I've spoken to a few people that say, you know, it's, it's basically like an invite only. So uh, there's a guy that's going to be coming up on our podcast here in the next couple of months uh, named Dante Rump, who was an undrafted player for the Atlanta Falcons last year, made the last cut for, did not make the last cut for the top. So he was cut. So um, and then there's also guys out there like Chris Culver, the the veteran cornerback who unfortunately re-aggravated a torn ACL that he had for 2013. Um, you know, I'd make light of him in our free agent write-up for this division that we're talking about next week, uh, the NFC West. 
is is he going to be the type of player that's supposed to be there, Nick? What what, what have you heard? And what, what do you think it's going to be like as far as the type of player that's going to be there? Is it going to be these proven guys that want to prove they're over the injury? Or are these guys that really just need that second chance? Well, I haven't heard who's what type of player is going to be there, but to me, I mean, there's no reason at all for Chris Culver to be there. You know, he's got 20 starts over the last two years, played 839 snaps last year. His teams want to know what kind of player he is. They have plenty of film to watch on him. You know, if the veteran combine is going to be something worthwhile, I think it needs to be about helping guys like Dante Rump, players who are like borderline practice squad guys, trying like heck to make their dreams come true. You know, again, they just they've seen enough of Culver to know what kind of player he is, and they can privately work him out if they want to see. Make sure he's fully healthy. Uh, you know, when we see the list of invites, I think we're going to know the NFL's angle behind this. If it's guys like Rump, then it could be a really positive thing. But, you know, if the list is just littered with guys like Culver who likely will have a job next fall, or even worse if they're bringing in guys like Terrell Owens and Chad Johnson, you know, the guys that we know are not going to be getting jobs in the NFL, then it's just going to be a circus and just another TV show for them to sell. At that point, they might as well just bring Daryl Green into workout. Probably at 55 years old, he's probably still faster than half the guys in the league. Uh, yeah, yeah. he still claims he can beat Mr. Dion in a foot race, so uh, we'll see. Because um, I think it was Gerald Green's birthday the other day. But, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see what type of player they bring in, like you said. You know, is it going to be even like the Tim Tebow types? Um, you know, you do bring up an interesting point with uh, a guy like Chad Johnson and the safe saying he should, but maybe, you know, we saw Duran Carter – Chris Carter's son signed with the Colts. Maybe these some of these guys that have been trying to make their pay their dues in Canada. Maybe they will get a chance. You know, uh, you know Warren Moon was one of those guys. Doug Flutie was one of those guys that went to Canada and to work their way back to the NFL. You know, a couple of different stories. Obviously, you know Moon is probably thrown for you know millions of miles now in his football career. But uh, that was that was a great story, and maybe we can see some more more players like that. Um, you know, and I bring up Culver because I, I, I just want to know kind of the NFL's angle behind even doing this. Uh, yes, he's he's a guy that's got a lot of tape, but he, you know, he missed all of 2013 with the torn ACL. And last year he missed the final two games of the regular season. Obviously the Niners are out of it. More of it, more maybe less of a precaution, but, you know, he re-aggravated that same injury. So I'm just kind of wondering if uh, if – you know, some NFL teams are going to want to see this guy there and see him cut. I wonder, you know, who's going to be in charge of this list? Because, you know, if there's five or six NFL teams that are really considering this guy, can they say, hey, you know, I, 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 want, I want to see him. I want to see him make some moves. I want to see his hips move. I want to see him, you know, make some cuts and see if he's still still okay. Because, obviously, you know, a veteran player like that's going to, you know, be deserving of a raise. And they want to make sure, you know, it's, it, he's not a top guy. He's not going to go in there and get, you know, six, seven years for $80 million. But he's certainly going to get a raise from what he what he already earned because of that veteran status. So it, it'll be interesting, to say the least, in terms of what type of player. And, again, that's coming up on March 11th. Quintanilla, uh, actual free agents will be, will be free agents as, as of March 10th. So we'll see if that has any type of impact at all. Um, 
Uh, speaking of free agents, kind of what we're going to be talking about today is uh, this is our free agency show. You know, free agency doesn't officially start officially start till March 10th, but people can agree to some deals, you know, in principle and stuff as things move forward. So we're going to be going through a list of what we think are kind of top free agents. Uh, we're also going to have, uh, you know, just a few random subjects that we talk about, some things that are in the news, some things that maybe just uh, bother us that we want to get out there. We kind of make our own news that way. I'm going to put Nick to the test with a little trivia. He doesn't like that, but uh, we're going to do it anyway. Maybe maybe you do like it. You're pretty good. But uh, i got to really dig deep because Nick, Nick has got such great knowledge. i got to really dig deep for a trivia question. Um, we're going to do a Dynasty Dilemma. You can go to Dynasty Football Warehouse right now and vote on the dilemma that we're going to talk about today. We're trying to dig our feet deep into the IDP race, um, and uh, we'll see how that uh, end, ends up working out in the end, but uh, um, so so far the, the dynasty that we're going to talk about is Ryan Shazier versus Chris Borland this year. It looks like uh, Shazier is uh, winning the vote 6-3, uh, to three. so go go there and vote. And if you really want to listen to us debate our court, courtroom-setting-esque style debate, uh, you can wait for that and then, then cast your vote. I would maybe suggest that. Um, if you haven't been on DFW lately, make sure you go there and check it out. So we have few articles up in recent weeks. Um, of course, the Dynasty Q&A was up on Saturday with uh, headed, headed by Jeff and Dan. Uh, make sure you check that out. Brian Hawks wrote about some things to watch at the Combine, which is starting here actually in about 20 minutes, you know, kind of interview process. More or less a lot of the player drills and stuff will be happening over the next, next over the weekend. Uh, look for the Dynasty Mount Rushmore posted by Jay Stolenberg. Um, uh, some buy low targets that we, we had posted by a guest author that was up uh, on the 16th. Um, some running backs past their prime. Luke really looked at some running backs past their prime. Um, Sean Kirby looks uh, looked into Rex Ryan, how he's going to fit his scheme with the Bills. Uh, Dan got some uh, cornering, di- cornering the dynasty market, kind of the rookie market part one. And then our good friend, Nick, who's kind of joined the team along with us, uh, Mike Kraffick, I think I actually said his last name right. I'm sure he'll tell me if I didn't. Uh, Mike Kraffick, I, I honestly... I, I got just this was just up today, and I haven't had a chance to read it yet. But I think this is probably one of the hardest things to figure out the whole for the rest of, for this off season. And he wrote, you know, Terrence West versus uh, Isaiah Crowell. Now, who knows what's going to happen in that Cleveland backfield? Obviously, there's other issues in Cleveland right now, but they have themselves two two guys that were very effective last year, and we're going to see who wins out. So uh, we'll uh, we'll. Dig deep into with Mike, if you will, and and read that article after this. I'm really looking forward to it because that was quite the task that he had to undertake. Certainly, um, Nick, are we in store for another summer full of this could be Jay Cutler's year? You know, I've already seen him on list of possible bounce back players. It, isn't he on that list every year? I mean, what? How many chances is this guy going to get? Well, you know, first off, the Bears are pretty much stuck with him. Nobody's trading for his contract. That's going to pay him sixteen and a half million this year, and up to twenty-one point seven million in twenty twenty. And if they release him, it would be either a sixteen and a half or a nineteen and a half million dollar cap hit. That's a little the lower one after if they've cut him after June first. So they've got they've got to have him this year. 
but I'll defend him. You know, first off, the defense last year gave up 30.7 times, including a combined 106 points in one two-game stretch. That's not his fault. And secondly, last year, Jay had career highs in completion percentage with 66 and touchdowns, 28. I mean, yeah, he did lead the league in interceptions, but he still threw 10 more touchdowns than interceptions. He's a gunslinger. That's going to happen times. You know, is he a top 10 guy? Probably not, but if there's a good enough team around him, you can win with him. I think he'd be an immediate upgrade in Buffalo, New York Jets, uh, Cleveland, Houston, Tennessee, Tampa Bay, St. Louis, possibly Arizona and Washington, too, and, you know, with no great quarterbacks available in free agency, uh, Winston and Mariota probably are both going to be gone by the time the Bears pick at number seven, and that's way too high for Brett Hundley, I think. You know, they'd have to keep Jay Cutler, even if there weren't huge cap ramifications for cutting him right now. He's got two 10-win seasons and pretty solid fantasy guy, too, provided he's not injured or benched. <laughs> Last year, he did have four 300-yard games. He threw a touchdown in every game he started except Week 17 and had 10 multi-touchdown outings. Uh, you can do a lot worse in the mid to late round draft than Jake Cutler. Oh, yeah, I think I'll still leave him out there. You know, in, and I know this defense was terrible last year, but maybe, you know, maybe he was kind of playing – Giving them a downward, downward uh, hill to climb too. If if that's, I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but you know what I mean. You know, those, some of those interceptions and some of those turnovers they didn't necessarily always happen. You know, in the other team's zone, they could have given given that Bears defense some really really short fields to work with. So uh, we can blame Cutler a little bit, I think, for the defense is what I'm saying. But anyway, uh, just I just. Just don't like the guy, I, and I, and I'm not. It's not like I don't know him personally. You just you just get this weird vibe, this body language. I watched the Brandon Marshall uh, football life recently. I rewatched that, and you know he's just never seemed to grow up. He's kind of got that backwards baseball cap. He's and I'm not saying that he should always be presentable, but you know he's doing these interviews. You know unshaven, maybe even unshowered. Obviously, I don't have smell-o-vision, but it's just, I don't know. I just You just get this we- weird vibe from um, Since you're willing to defend him at this point, Nick, would, what would you think about a, an RG3 Cutler swap? Um, with a restructured contract, I would do it. Uh, with the contract <laughs> the way it is, yeah, no way. And I do admit mm-hmm. that it, he is a way to watch at times, but the numbers are usually there fantasy-wise. Yeah, he certainly has his moments, and he bounced me from the playoffs last year, so uh, we won't get into that again. Um, trivia question. Are you ready for some trivia, Nick? Uh, yeah, this is bring it I'm on. going to be doing every, every week, so, uh, you know, if yeah, I'm going to open the chat room, so you can uh, you can certainly uh, weigh in if you think you know the, this option. Um, but uh, I'm going to give you six, the name of six running backs, Nick. Um and I want you to tell me which two of these six running backs never had a 60-reception season. Like I said, folks, i got to dig deep to really put Nick's knowledge to the test because he, he, he'd blow me out of the water otherwise. So which two of these six running backs never had a 60-reception season? Uh, Frank Gore, Walter Payton, Chuck Foreman, Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders or Marcus Allen? Which two of those three have never had a 60 reception season? Two of them. Uh, Emmett Smith, one of them? 
he is not. He, I, I, I was surprised by that too. He, uh, I don't think he ever had the need to catch that many balls there with that offense. But uh, it's true. He never. He had one. He had a. He had a couple fifty reception seasons as well. And as weird as it sounds, I, I, I almost want to say Barry Sanders. I know you think of smaller backs as being good out of the backfield, but I just don't remember him being used that way much in Detroit. Is he one of them? Yes, sir. Ding, ding, ding. Well, one for two anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, if I had to go guess, ahead. I'd say Walter Payton is the third, my third guess. Yes. Yes, you got it. Uh, and coincidentally, Walter Payton was a very good receiver, always contributed 30 or 40 receptions, but he never had that. You know, it's it's kind of that thing of that style of football as it's changed. You know, he was he was kind of the older – the older era era style running back who did contribute in the in the receiving game, but uh, yeah, um, and the whole reason I got to that question in the first place is I could not believe that Frank Gore had a 60 reception season, uh, second year in the league. Uh, yeah, I, I could not I just yeah. I always just viewed him as a as a power back, and then you know Emmett Smith kind of opened my eyes too. That I never thought he would have one, and but uh, that's a that's an interesting question to ask Nick. So. You did pretty good. You only got one wrong. Yeah, great um, question. Yeah, eliminated half of the field anyway. Um, so, as like I said, something that we're going to be going doing going forward is something we like to call Dynasty Dilemma. And you can go to Dynasty Football Warehouse right now, like I said, and vote on this. Um, would you rather have, Nick, Chris Borland or Ryan Shazier moving forward? Now, we've already made our choices on this matter. So, Chris... Nick has Chris Borland. So, Nick, what do you got for us on Chris Borland? Sell me. Okay, well, this is not a dislike for Ryan Shazier. I do like him a lot, but I do think I would go with Chris Borland in a dynasty draft. Uh, first off, you look at their build. Uh, Shazier is uh, 6'1", 237, where Borland's 5'11", 248. You like Shazier's height advantage, but being 10 pounds lighter along with those two inches taller could make, make him more susceptible to injuries. And you look at his rookie season last year, he missed multiple weeks two different times as a rookie. Uh, you know, And short-term, people wonder if Borland's going to have the same impact when Patrick Willis returns from his toe injury that lands him on injured reserve last November, but Willis just hasn't been the dominant force recently like he was in his first four years, and now he's on the wrong side of 30. And admittedly, last year, Borland didn't really excel until Willis's injury, but he was a beast after taking the starting job. Four out of six games, he had double-digit tackles, and the other two games, he still had six and nine. Uh, two interceptions off Eli Manning. You know, he's a playmaker and a guy who's going to consistently put up those solid tackle numbers you love in Dynasty IDP leagues. Uh, you know, the 49ers could also save nearly $7.5 million if they cut Willis this offseason. I, I haven't heard that they're going to, but, you know, to pay over $8 million to a guy coming off an injury – uh, and over 30, and you only have to take a million-dollar cap hit to cut him, uh, it, it's possible. You know, I personally thought pre-draft, too, that Ryan Shazier's speed would be used to rush the passer. Pittsburgh kind of went the other way and put him in the middle, but if they were to move him to the outside at any point, you know, that would also probably hurt his tackle numbers. Uh, yeah, you know, Shazier has uh, – they've, they've kind of been tweaking and not quite sure where they want him. But if I've learned – Anything from keeping players, uh, and I'm, I'm not, we're not talking about keeper league. We're just talking about choosing one of these guys. But uh, last year I was faced with the decision in one of my leagues that is not a dynasty league where we just keep one player. 
and we lose that round where that player was drafted. Now, I was debating Shane Vereen versus Andrew Luck. Now, it seems like a logical decision right now, but when I sat down and I crunched the numbers, um, you know, before the season that Andrew Luck actually had, he was supposed to be drafted in the sixth where I drafted him the year before. Uh, Vereen I drafted in the seventh round. He was supposed to be like, uh, you know, like a third, third, fourth-round guy. So, you know, I was getting – I was supposedly gaining like a 51 pick advantage to maybe just like a five or six advantage. So I ultimately, I kept Shane Vereen. But what I've learned from that experience is don't look at what the player was. Obviously, that is important, but don't solely base your decision on what that player was and what that player could become. And that's why I'm certainly in the Shazier camp. Um, still just absolutely love this guy's speed. I know he's got a smaller frame, and I know he missed some time, but hopefully he viewed that as a learning experience. You know, he did have a great coordinator in Dick LeBeau there last year. I know he's not there anymore, but uh, what a great guy for this person to be around, even while he's standing on the sidelines in street clothes and seeing how this defense works. You know, there's a lot of veteran talent on that Steeler defense, and hopefully that's going to rub off him. Uh, I just love Shazier's speed. I think he would be better suited as kind of an outside pass rusher, but if they're going to keep him inside, I think he has phenomenal lateral movement. You know, that's going to keep him in, in involved in the game and making a lots of tackles this year. He had 36 tackles in nine games, so he did, he did miss some time last year. Um, is he Levante David? No, he's not. He's not going to have, he's not going to, have that lockdown, you know, Levante David, when he gets his hands in here, you're just, you're done. You go, you go down and you're done. Uh, Shea, but what Shazier maybe has an advantage to a guy like David is speed. If you can hit somebody with the speed in which Shazier has, I think that's going to help him move along. And I think he's got a great situation there in Pittsburgh where they're kind of rolling things over with some older players, and he's going to have opportunity this year to really – really make a solid impact. So I, I think Shazier is going to be the guy. No disrespect to Chris Borland. I, you, you, but you wonder, he also had an ankle injury last year that made him miss the last few games. Um, so, that, you know, that's going to be something that he's going to have to prove that he has, has passed um, for me. And obviously with Willis, you know, the situation still up in the air right now, I definitely have to go with uh, Shazier. I do want to remind everybody that the chat room is open. If you're listening out there and you want to want to tell us where we're going wrong or what we're doing, please, please hit us up. We are, we're always ready to, ready to be challenged and ready to hear from you. So make sure you, make sure you do that. Uh, well, like I said earlier, this is kind of our free agency under the microscope show. So we're going to just dive deep into these free agents. Um, we'll start with the quarterback class. Nick, I only wrote down five names. Because I, these are the only names that I would honestly even consider looking for my team, if, even if they're just a backup role or even a starter role. And there's a lot of guys out there. You know, there's your, you got your Jimmy Clausens, you got your Tavarius Jackson, Sean Hill. But the five names I wrote down are kind of people that were all over the map in terms of what they made last year. Uh, so there's certainly some bargains in here. But these are the guys, the five quarterbacks that I like. Mark Sanchez, I think, is obviously the top of this free agent quarterback class. Uh, it's not a very strong class at all. But the, Mark Sanchez, I think, is probably the best by far. 
I would have no problem bringing him in to be my starter or my backup. I, I think he's got experience, and, and he's he's missed – granted, he's missed some time with some health issues, but uh, that was I, – I think as a whole, he's certainly been a lot more durable than a lot of other quarterbacks. The other guy I like is Jake Locker. Now, this guy cannot stay healthy at all, but when he's healthy – uh, he, he's been a very good player, so I, it, he always has been an intriguing option to me. Uh, another guy up there in age, Jason Campbell. I, you know, he's played for both of our teams, Nick, Nick being a Redskins fan and me being an Oakland fan. Uh, he's also played in both Ohio, Ohio cities. Uh, I, I just like what he brings to the table as a backup. I think he would be really, suit, really good, very nicely suited for a place like Seattle, or even Washington again as a backup for RG3, or San Francisco as a I think he brings that kind of element that your Russell Wilsons and Colin Kaepernick's have in terms of, you know, the mobility factor. I know he's getting up there in the age. He's not the same type of athlete those guys are, but I think he can certainly bring that to the table. Um, and then a couple surprises here for you, Nick. Austin Davis, I really like this kid. Uh, he was 3-5 and five last year. I thought he got kind of a short end of the stick considering he was a third-string quarterback, and we've seen what some third-string quarterbacks could do in the playoffs last year, <clears throat> Ryan Lindley. Uh, I think Austin Davis showed himself pretty well, and and I would certainly have no problem bringing this kid in uh, as a backup. I, I think he's got some – Got some good skills, and I think he's he's a, a kid that's willing to learn. He's, and he's got he sat there on the bench for two years before he actually got a chance to start, and he was three and five. And he he you know he had a better touch, he had more touchdowns and interceptions. It's not like he went out and lost the team, lost games for this team. He had basically you know no running game. You know Trey Mason really didn't emerge till after he was taken out of the lineup. So. Um, and kind of a spotty receiving course. So I thought he did an okay job last year for the Rams. And another guy really digging deep here, guy only made $58,000 last year, and that's Case Keenum. I, I, I think this guy has an arm that can sustain. If he if somebody wants to give him a chance as a backup, my Raiders want to give him a chance as a backup, I would be okay with that. I, I think he's a guy that's going to, since he came out of college, feels like he's got to prove himself because he is from not – not a major Division One school out of Houston. I think he's a guy that's going to go into a camp and really compete and really give all and just soak up any any knowledge that he can to make your football team better. So what do you got for us on these free agent quarterbacks? Well, he didn't mention Brian Hoyer. I think he thinks he, he's uh, the biggest name in this list. He said he's <laughs> convinced he'll be a starter somewhere next year. Uh, I don't know about that. You know, he won seven games with Cleveland last year as a starter, but I think the team won despite him, not because of him. Uh, he started 13 games. He went over 300 yards three times, but he only had two multi-touchdown games compared to four multi-interception games. Uh, his quarterback rating was under 62 in each of his last four starts and threw two touchdowns to nine interceptions in his last six appearances. His poor play basically forced him to play Johnny Manziel when they knew that Johnny wasn't ready to play yet. Uh, yeah, if I needed a starter from this group, well, first I'd probably get my resume ready because I don't think any of these guys is going to save a GM or coach's job. But I agree with you. I'd go with Clanches, then Jake Walker, J- Jason Campbell. I agree with those definitely. Mike Vick, I think, could be a decent backup. He's, you know, he's been through so much in his career. I think he's a good locker room guy at this point. 
And, uh, you know, I've always kind of liked Sean Hill, too. He started seven games last year, beat Denver, lost to San Diego and Arizona by a combined nine points, and had the big wins over our two teams, the Redskins and Raiders, by a combined 76 to nothing in weeks 13 and 14. He only had eight touchdowns last year. He's not flashy, but I think he's a guy who's been around the league for a while and can definitely come in and start a few games if needed. And then there's a whole litany of career backup types that are also available. So if you need a backup quarterback, it's it's a decent crop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Hoyer, you know, I left him off for a reason. Yeah, Vic's still got a few things <laughs> left in the tank. But I just I, – I don't know how you could trust him. Obviously, I started to pile, pile on Ryan Lindley. I thought I think that day in the sun is done. But, uh, you know, when you have – if your starter gets hurt, you – you don't want to lose that that second guy on the depth chart. I mean, we've we've seen that happen with Arizona. We saw that happen in St. Louis last year as well. And we, like I said, I was earlier by impressed, impressed by Austin Davis. But you don't want to lose that second guy. And I just don't know why why you would bring Vic in at this point. Um, you know, depending on the situation, I just don't I don't know if you can count him as to be a dependable backup. You know, he's maybe the guy that you sign. You know, later on in the season, and and hopefully he doesn't have any anywhere and tear on him all, and he's ready to go. But I, I just I just don't know how you can trust him at this point. So, uh, Nick, what do you got for us on uh, free agent running backs? Um, well, you know, Demarco Murray's obviously the number one guy. He's only 27 years old, 1,845 yards and 13 touchdowns. But, you know, given how running backs' perceived values have dropped in the league, it'll be interesting to see the kind of money he gets offered. Frank Gore would obviously be higher on this list if he wasn't 32 years old. Uh, 1,100 yards still last year and over 1,000 yards in eight of his last nine seasons. He's been a model of consistency there in San Francisco. But, again, 32 years old, that's ancient for a running back. Uh, and then you got four guys that fantasy owners have grown to hate over the years. C.J. Spiller, Darren McFadden, and the two New England running backs, Stephen Ridley and Shane Vereen, are also on the list. Uh, for former Heisman Trophy winner Mark Ingram flashed some ability at times, and at only 25 years old, he could surprise people in the right system. Roy Hallou has been a good third down back in Washington. He might be looking for some more playing time elsewhere. Ben Tate was a hot name last year, but really failed to impress. And, you know, the list kind of starts to dwindle out after that. No, Sean Moreno couldn't stay healthy last year. Ryan Matthews is another former high pick who struggled with injuries his whole career. Ahmad Bradshaw was a guy who was a key contributor in Indianapolis before getting hurt, but he's 29 years old and seemingly gets hurt every single season. And then another 29-year-old, Justin Forsett, really came from out of nowhere last year, doubled his career-high rushing mark, racking up over 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns in Baltimore last year. But overall, I think it's a pretty solid, if unspectacular, group outside of Murray, of course. Uh, yeah. Um, Murray, you know, even even with what he produced last year, I don't know if you can necessarily sign the guy and think he's going to do that again. You know, they, they ran this guy into the ground last year. Um, uh, our good buddy Chuck Podeski a few months ago reminded us that uh, as the season wore on, he averaged less and less after a certain amount of carries. So, Plus, he had that arm issue. I just, I just, yeah. I, and he's always had health issues. Same thing with Matthews and McFadden. You know, Matt. You know, McFadden took a very team-friendly deal last year to stay in Oakland. And if he's going to want to go anywhere, I think he's going to have to do that again. Uh, Chris Johnson is another guy that's out there that's 
you know, had some moments last year for the Jets, and I think he could still contribute. But none of these guys are going to be on every down back. Um, you know, Shane Breen's never had that opportunity in his life, and I do. Am, I am intrigued by him, and he certainly had a, had a, proved what he could do for this for a team in the out of the backfield catching the ball in the Super Bowl. He looked very good in the Super Bowl as kind of that that checkdown option. But uh, you know, we haven't seen him enough of him rushing the football, I think, to say that he could be an every down back. Bobby Rainey is another guy that's out there. He's obviously had some fumbling issues. Uh, but but I like him. In, like Ingram is an intriguing option. It's just these guys with, you know, this you know, three or four years already on their bodies, going to new systems, you just you just wonder about how they're gonna emerge with a new team and a new system. Uh, Dan Heron and Matt Asiata are a couple, another couple names out there. Uh, Boom Heron, if you will, had some moments for the Colts last year, but don't think he's an every down back. Asiata is kind of obviously the short yardage goal line specialist. No, Sean can't stay healthy. Um, you know, one thing I am intrigued by, and, I, and I'll and I talk about it in my upcoming article here in DFW is Frank Gore. Do we kind of see maybe maybe I'm, I'm wrong here, Nick, but I kind of see Frank Gore at this point in time in his career as Damian Tomlinson, and when he left for the Jets, uh, you know, we, nobody expected a lot from him, and Tomlinson actually had some fine moments with the Jets. You know, we don't we don't remember that. We remember him as as the dominant college player and the awesome awesome guy that just hit the ground running in San Diego. But what, what do you think about that comparison as far as Gore going forward? Yeah, I mean, obviously we have to wait and see who signs him and what kind of role he's going to play, but that could be a great comparison. And, yeah, I think if uh, somebody, if a team were to sign Frank Gore with the idea of maybe just giving him 10 touches a game or something like that, it could really – he could definitely have a couple more uh, solid years as a contributor. You know, and he's a guy – he's had some – some really bad injuries throughout his career, but as a whole, he's he's actually been a pretty healthy player considering he's a running back who's you know averaged like 16 touches a game for the duration of his career. Um, C.J. Spiller, jeez, um, if you don't know me, I just don't I, don't I don't like him at all. You know, he's going to get you eight eight carries for seven yards, or he's going to have three carries for 50 yards. You just you just never know what you're going to get out of that guy. Um, you know, Matthews, I think, is a guy that w- was cursed from for, from the beginning, and we all thought he was going to be the next LaDamian Thompson, and that was, just wasn't fair. The guy the guy had all these all these rushing yards one season for Fresno in the whack. You know, I, I just think he had a lot of a lot of pressure on him early, and it just just did not work out, and his just health has not been perfect. Um, another guy I really like is uh, is Roy Hallou. You know, he, he he's a guy that's uh, a great a great little uh, ad for bye weeks in uh, PPR style leagues. I, I think Hallou is a a guy that really can contribute. He's he's a guy that's been around the league, but he hasn't played every single down. So he's gonna. I think he's been a relatively healthy player throughout his duration in Washington, and I think he could be an intriguing player moving forward. Um, uh, one last name is a guy that I, I like, and we'll see what happens there in Dallas, and that's Lance Dunbar. Now, he's another guy that struggled with injuries, but when he's had a moment to play, uh, if he wasn't injured when Murray was, he certainly has been ha- had some effective games, and he's a guy that I think could maybe have that Justin Forsett 
breakout year. Man, maybe I'm way off there, but just just want to throw that out there. What what do you got for us on free agent wide receivers, Nick? Oh, there's so many of them this year. I was looking at this list and I thought, man, we could have done a whole show just on receivers, but. Uh, Start at the top, Des Bryant, Demarius Thomas, those guys, they're not going to hit the open market. So I think that leaves Randall Cobb as probably the top name available. He's coming off a career year, 91 catches, 1,287 yards, 12 touchdowns, and he's only 25. His size does kind of limit how you can use him, but he's definitely an electric playmaker. Uh, Jeremy Macklin's another guy coming off a career year, 85 catches, 1,318 yards, and uh, 10 touchdowns after being hurt for the entire 2013 campaign. Really nice to see him bounce back and be healthy and play a full season there for the Eagles. It's a deep crop this year. you got older veterans like Wes Welker, Brandon Lloyd, Miles Austin, Jason Avant, Santana Moss, Nate Washington, and your boy, the future Hall of Famer, Reggie Wayne. These guys all have their best playing days behind them, but in some cases they could be decent locker room guys to come in as your fourth receiver or something like that. Uh, Torrey Smith's a guy who's only 26. They definitely provide a team with a nice deep threat. Uh, former first-round pick Michael Crabtree could be a really nice under-the-radar pickup. He's had injuries, but he's only 27 years old. and you look at, He's always played in a run-based offense there in San Francisco with less than stellar quarterbacks, at least as far as you know, helping their receivers get big numbers. Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick, just they're not the they're not the elite, you know, guys that are going to help the receivers out. Um, yeah, Hakeem Nix and Darius Hayward Bay, a couple more for, former first round picks that have really struggled in recent years. Uh, Cecil Shorts, he can play, but he's already got that four game suspension under his belt, so it's kind of risky to sign him in this day and age. But he definitely can play if he if he keeps his head straight. Uh, speaking of keeping his head straight, Kenny Britt, he's really interesting, I think. He was pretty much left for dead in Tennessee, but resurrected his career in St. Louis. Career-high 48 catches, and he's only 26 years old. If if he can if he can uh, straighten his life out, he could end up being like a offensive Adam Pac-Man Jones, figuring things out after he leaves Tennessee. Uh, and then you got some lesser-known guys like Denarius Moore, Jarrell Jernigan, Leonard Hankerson, Brandon Tate. These guys have all flashed ability at one point or another and could end up being a diamond in the rough. And then finally, uh, Eddie Royal. He always seems to find playing time wherever he goes, and he's still uh, 29 years old. So he'll he'll play him something. Uh, yeah, Royal, I, you, you don't know what's going to happen. I, I just can't see him going somewhere else or even returning to San Diego and actually being uh, that kind of a player. I think he surprised a lot of people last year with what he was able to do, but I just don't know if he can keep that up. Uh, my, obviously, you know, you, you got the two big names at the top of, with Demarius Thomas and Des Bryant. Um, those guys don't require a lot of money. And like you, like you said, they're probably going to stay put with – Manning supposedly returning. Uh, you think you would think they want to have Thomas there, especially with Welker and Julius Thomas also out there. But um, Kenny Britt is my favorite guy actually in this class. I I, I don't know if 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 Des is going to go anywhere or not, but I think Britt can be had at a decent value, and um, he's 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 had those problems. He's had a lots of problems in the past. But, uh, you know, if this guy gets a shot with, like, a contender, like if he went to Indy or even Seattle, uh, uh, Dallas, you know, Dallas is both both the third third and fourth guys in the Dallas depth chart, and Cole Beasley and Dwayne Harris are free agents. If he can go in there and be that third guy, maybe challenge uh, Terrence Williams a little bit, 
I just think he's got he's got some things left in the tank, and like he's he's only twenty six, twenty seven years old. Hopefully, he's a little mature now, and that he he can put a lot of that stuff behind him. I just think if he got a shot with a team that's going to be in the in the playoffs, I think he could do some good things. You know, he's six three, two ten. He he's and always kept himself in nice shape. Really, really like Kenny Britz. Uh, Macklin, you'd think Philly would want to keep him staying put there, but uh, who knows? You know, they don't even know who their quarterback's going to be next year at this point. You know, all those rumors flying with Foles being traded and them trying to get, you know, whoever at quarterback next year, whether it's Mariota or Hunley or Butler. I don't know who Butler is. Uh, But, yeah, who who knows what's going on there. So maybe he's not their top option. But he certainly proved that he was a wide receiver one there last year. Crabtree, you know, he's a guy that's had his injury thing, injury issues, and I just feel like he's he's not a guy that's going to ever get that out of his head. I feel like he's kind of restrains himself at certain points. Uh, Randall Cobb, he's only looking for $9 million. I I would love to see him out there in the open market, but I, I really think Green Bay is going to do what they can to keep him, um, even if they have to pay him what he wants or even a little more. I uh, mentioned earlier Dwayne Harris is out there too. Now this is a guy that's not a, not a huge part of the Dallas offense, but he is a major special teams player for that for that team. Uh, you know he returns, he makes tackles on kickoffs and punts and stuff. So he he's he's a guy that I think could be actually in high demand if you need a return man. You know Seattle didn't have necessarily the best uh, the best special teams unit last year and if they can get bring in a guy like Harris who always seems to bring a lot of energy to special teams there for Dallas I think that he could be a great option there Seattle also has Ricardo Lockett and Javon Curse that are free agents um obviously they they see a lot of people there is easily replaceable so we'll see what happens there you know maybe Paul Richardson and uh, Norwood, the, the drafted wide receivers last year, get a little bit of a bump, and maybe they draft another one this year. Because um, I wouldn't be surprised if both of those guys walk. Oakland's got Rod Streeter, Denarius Moore. If you really want to talk about Denarius Moore, I, I don't think we need to. Um, uh, and Andre Holmes, you know, Holmes is a guy that's kind of bounced around and never really had a had a chance. But I feel like he's maybe not had a chance for a reason. You know, if he's been for so many teams and he couldn't break through, obviously there's something. There's something there that isn't quite right. I, I I don't have anything against him, but I just I feel like there's there's something there that there's a reason why he hasn't been in a in a lineup consistently. Um, Nate Washington is another guy I mentioned. I really like Nate Washington. He's a guy that's big. He can go over the middle. You know, he can be that nice complementary option to you know if you have a burner or if you have have a guy that you can depend on. You know, in the short game. Washington has always been able to use use his size and uh, and do what he can, especially especially in the red zone. So I, I'm not, I like Nate Washington. He's got some miles on him, but I really like him. Uh, Reggie Wayne, it'd be really weird, I think, for Colts fans especially, but really weird to see that guy play with another team. So, you know, if he, if he hangs it up, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, Welker said he doesn't want to retire at this point in time, but we'll see. You know, we'll see what his head feels like in a month or until he gets back to some camp and NFL action. Wouldn't be surprised if he hung it up either. I don't really think he's got much more to prove. You know, he's always kind of played with the chip on his shoulder anyway, and been the been been the guy who who wasn't supposed to make it. And I think I think nobody nobody disrespects Wes Welker by any means at all. So 
love love some Reggie Wayne though. I would. I, it'd be so weird to see him go somewhere else, don't you think, Nick? Yeah, it would be weird, but you know we've seen it before. Jerry Rice didn't finish his career in San Francisco, so. Yeah, Bruce Smith, Andre Reid. Yep. Um, moving on to the tight ends. Uh, some decent names here in this class. Uh, of course, uh, Larry Donald, who had his month in the sun, or Larry Donnell, excuse me. Uh, Jacob Tammy, another another veteran there that is a, is a decent contributor. Uh, contributor. Charles Clay and uh, Jermaine Gresham, some, some other decent options. I don't know if they're going to demand uh, much money, but obviously the big names at the top are uh, Julius Thomas and uh, Jordan Cameron. Uh, I really like Jordan Cameron. I know he struggled last year with injuries, but you know he proved to be a very good fantasy option on a very bad team, and I, and I think he could probably do that just about anywhere. Julius Thomas, what do we think if he if he doesn't have an elite quarterback? Nick, is is that wrong to to paint him in that corner? Do we think he can be that same type of player? I I, I guess I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah, I'd I'd have a problem giving a whole lot of money to Julius Thomas. The upside's there, but like you said, we haven't seen him play without Peyton Manning, really, so Peyton Manning's tight ends always seem to have put up pretty good numbers. Um, I'm actually on the other side of the fence with Jordan Cameron. He's a guy who would really scare me as a GM. He's definitely got the upside there again, but are you getting the 2013 version where he had 80 catches for 917 yards and seven touchdowns, or are you getting last year's version, 24 catches, 424 yards, and two scores? Anytime a player only has one really good year out of four, plus he has the concussion issues, I'd stay away from Jordan Cameron if it was me. Okay. Any other thoughts on some of those second or third tier guys? Um, Charles Clay is probably, if I had my choice, uh, the guy I would go after. Thirteen hundred fifty yard, thirteen hundred fifty yards and nine scores over the last two years in Miami. And uh, uh, Owen Daniels, he's thirty two years old, but he was a pretty decent option for Baltimore last year. Uh, you mentioned Jermaine Gresham, uh, Miles Paul, converted wide receiver, and Ed Dixon are a few more names that fantasy owners are probably familiar with. Okay. Uh, moving on to the kickers. What do you got? I know. I know you're probably really sweating. Kai Forbath being a free agent there in Washington, but some other big names out there: Stephen Gaskowski, Matt Bryant, Mike Nugent, Justin Tucker, and uh, Ryan Sukup. Any any thoughts there? And any of those kickers are comfortable with any of those guys replacing Forbath there in Washington? Uh, well, Justin Tucker's got to be the top uh, name out there available. 25 years old, and he was perfect inside of 50 yards last year. So if the team really wants a guy, I think Justin Tucker is the way to go, with Gaskowski probably a close second. But, yeah, suck up uh, Mike Nugent, Matt Frater even, uh, uh, Shane Graham, Matt, Matt Bryant, uh, a couple of the older names. You know, these are decent guys. They can come in and contribute. Yeah, and Matt, Matt Bryant is certainly a guy that's been – been around the league and he can 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 do 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 things still it doesn't really matter age with these kickers you know unless they're probably in in their 50s but these guys can these guys can go just about anywhere and continue to play for a long time so i really don't i'm really not too concerned you know with age when it comes to kickers uh gaskowski obviously has amazing opportunities there in, in new england and that probably would follow any kicker that goes there if that if that is the case um uh, Tucker, 
Tucker is probably the best option out there. You, you wonder what kind of allegiance some of these teams have to their kickers and whatnot. If, if, if there is one, you know, obviously we saw New England let uh, Adam Venetary walk some time ago because they didn't want to pay him and, uh, you know, it didn't prevent them from winning a Super Bowl this year. So, I mean, obviously that was a long time ago, but it's not necessarily a, a huge deal. But, uh, you know, some people really like using kickers in fantasy. I don't, but I, I begrudgingly do it. So we got to talk about them, unfortunately. Ah, just kidding, kickers. We love them. All right, let's shift over to the defensive side of the ball. So if everybody puts your... IDP hat on, and uh, what do you got for us on the on these front seven, Nick? What do you got? Who are you, who are you looking at out there? Well, we'll start with uh, the defensive tackle position, one of the most loaded positions in free agency. And Kansu, it cost the Lions twenty six million to franchise him, so he's probably not going to get the franchise tag there. He could be seeking a hundred million dollar JJ Watt type of contract. Uh, we'll see if he can get that anywhere. Yeah, his line mates uh, Nick Fairley and CJ Mosley are also free agents, and both of those guys played pretty well in Detroit last year. So a lot of decisions there for the Lions brass to make as far as if they're going to keep any of those guys. Uh, you know, uh, 15 of the free agent defensive tackles actually had positive grades by uh, Pro Football Focus, so a lot of, a lot of talent out there. Uh, Steven Paella in Chicago had six sacks last year, but that equaled his previous three-year total, so I don't know if you can expect that every year from him. Terrence potros Knighton uh, had another good season there in Denver, but at 29 years old, he's older than most of the guys that are on the short list. Uh, there's just a lot of defensive tackles out there available, but uh they're usually not the sexy guys. You usually you're looking at the pass rushers as far as uh, as far as the, the big name guys. So the, there's a lot of guys out there right now. Greg Hardy would probably be the top name if he didn't have the off-field concerns there coming out of Carolina. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, he's a guy who could get franchise tagged at $15 million in New York. Uh, Jerry Hughes from Buffalo had nine and a half sacks each of his last two years. Uh, Anthony Spencer, he really didn't look the same uh, for Dallas last year after missing uh, 2013 with an injury. Brian Arakpo is another guy who's very talented but has had trouble staying healthy. Justin Houston in Kansas City, he's not going anywhere, so I just scratch his name off the free agent list, even though it's not official. They're they're not going to lose him 22 sacks last year. Um, uh, Pernell McPhee in Baltimore played pretty well as a backup, getting seven and a half sacks. Uh, got a couple versatile guys in Derek Morgan from Tennessee and uh, Brandon Graham from Philadelphia. I can play linebacker, defensive end, defensive tackle. Uh, so if you're looking for somebody to fill a lot of holes, you can look at those two guys. Um, James Harrison, Dwight Freeney, John Abraham, and O.C. Humanura are guys, names you're going to remember, but they're all pretty old. O.C. is the youngest of that group, they're 33 years old. Um, but there's plenty of other experienced guys that are on the outside, uh, like Jason Worlds, uh, Jabad Sherrod in Cleveland, uh, Brooks Reed from Houston, Croy Bierman from Atlanta, just to name a few. Oh, yeah, you know, Bierman's a guy that's struggled health-wise. O.C. Humanura, Sean Witherspoon, all all Atlanta guys that they'll need to figure out what they need to do. Dwight Freeney's out there. Uh, Rackbo is just somebody who's going to demand so much money. I don't know. I don't know what you can, what you can, what you can do there if you just got to have the space, I guess. Lance Briggs is also out there. Uh, Jason Worlitz. Uh David Harris is a guy that's a really good contributor for the Jets last year, and I think they need to lock him up. Um, 
Brandon Spikes just signed a one-year deal with Buffalo, so he's back out in the open market. I, I, I like him. I think he can bring a lot to the table for a defense, as well as uh, Jarrell Freeman. You know, these guys are just these are the guys that just been around the league and, and just contributed. Uh, Nate Irving is another guy that didn't make a whole lot of money last year, last year for the Denver Broncos, but I think he can be a quality a quality role player at times. Um, obviously, Sue's the big name for down linemen. Greg Hardy also out there. Um, do you have any idea who Octabu Rubin is for the Cleveland Browns, Nick? I feel like uh, we should know I, this I, guy's. <laughs> I feel like we I should know this guy's name because he uh, he made eight point one million dollars last year. So there's problems in Cleveland. We'll put it that way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know who he is either. But that that was this guy's contract. That's what he counted against the cap last year for the Cleveland Browns. So. Uh, didn't do much either, we'll put it that way. Uh, another guy making a lot of money is Tyson Alualau, uh, a high pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars about four years ago, making $4.2 million there for a defensive lineman. I, 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 don't know, I don't know who these guys are, but I feel like we should know them when they make a lot of money like that. So uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, Giants really want to keep him in there. I don't exactly know why. I feel like he's lost a step. You know, He just hasn't been the same player he was a few, a few years back. B.J. Raji is a guy I think that's certainly going to get some get some calls. He's a great player. Uh, Jerry Hughes, you mentioned, uh, back-to-back double-digit sack seasons there for for the Bills. Um, he really wants to stay in Buffalo, so we'll see how that situation works out. But uh, he's he's a very good player. Nick Fairley uh, and Knighton, those are the, really the the big heavyweights out there as far as uh, defensive defensive linemen, and I mean that just because of their sheer size, obviously. Sue is the big name out there, but uh, and then like you mentioned Mosley as well. You know, it's it's really hard to see these defensive tackles because they're not obviously guys that are going to be getting double digit sacks. They're just kind of the guys in the middle doing their thing, and I think that's kind of why why Sue stands out and makes so much money is because he is a guy that creates so much havoc. And you know, these big these big uh, biscuit eaters up front, if you will, you know the Gilbert Brown size guys. Um you just don't know what uh what the, what what they're gonna get and why they get obviously the veteran status drives their, their contract up and I'm obviously not a contract expert. Uh Corey Redding's another guy out there I think that can be a contributor although he is uh in his mid thirties. So uh um not a lot not a lot of huge names out there like you said Justin Houston's probably staying put. Um I think it'd be really interesting Nick to see Houston play somewhere else and see uh See what he can do without Ontario Poe. Obviously, you know that I'm a huge, a huge Poe fan, and he does he does some great things for that that defense as a whole. But yeah, we'll see uh, we'll see what Houston can do out there if he does get a chance. And uh, like you said, probably going to lock him up anyway. So what, what do you got for us on the secondary guys, Nick? Uh, well, the biggest names are older guys. Uh, you got Charles Peanut Tillman, who wants to keep playing, uh, Ike Taylor from Pittsburgh, Carlos Rogers, Terrence Newman, uh, Rasheen Matthews. But these guys, uh, they're all 34 or older. 
Um, the 49ers have some decisions to make. Three of their top corners, Chris Culliver, who we talked a little about earlier, uh, Paris Cox, and Chris Cook are all free agents. And these guys are all 27, 28 years old. Uh, Legion of Boom member uh, Byron Maxwell from Seattle should probably get some attention. Antonio Cromarty from Arizona, he's available. I think Arizona would like to keep him, but Patrick Peterson recently, I guess, said that all Cromarty talks about is New York. So I wouldn't rule out a return to the Big Apple for, for uh, Cromarty. Uh, Brandon Flowers from San Diego and Kareem Jackson uh, also are going to be pretty highly sought after guys. But there, you know, in the second tier, there's plenty of guys with experience: Antoine Kaysen, Bradley Fletcher, Sharice Wright, Buster Scrine, Terrell Brown, Tremont Williams. Just a few of the many corners who are going to get available, or with plenty of playing time on their resume, who are available. Uh, yeah, Raheem Moore is another guy I really like out there. Uh, Marcus Gilchrist too, I think is. A guy that uh, smaller guy back there playing safety, but he can certainly throw his weight around. I was a little surprised to see uh, Brandon Merriweather only made about eight hundred thousand dollars last year, and he probably paid a lot of that in fines. But uh, we'll see what kind of market there is for him out there. Uh, Darius Butler too, out of for the Colts, he's another guy out there. Walter Thurman, uh, Luis Delmas, I'm not sure if you mentioned him. Safety there for the Dolphins. I really like him. I think he's a guy that can continue to do some good things um i think i think miami would be best served to keep him to keep him in tow because i think he's a very a very good player um one of my favorite names in, in all of football denoris Cersei up there in buffalo just uh just 26 years old recorded 65 tackles last year and, and three picks for for the bills so i think he's a, a certainly a guy that they should uh, consider keeping around Dexter McCourty, Darrell Revis, their names out there. Um, Ike Taylor, is that guy like a thousand years old? Seriously, I feel like he was <laughs> he was on their Super Bowl team in the nineties, wasn't he? Ah, oh, jeez. But anyway, um, Revis, you know, is is the big big name out there as far as I'm concerned. And and does what does he have left? Uh, I guess we'll see. I'd be surprised if he goes somewhere other than. Uh, New England, you know, given that shot you can have at uh, back-to-back Super Bowls, I think would be a, a nice intriguing option considering he's never been able to go deep into the playoffs before. Antrell Roll for the Giants is another guy out there that I, you know, he's getting up there in age, but could certainly be a contributor. Um, Brandon Flowers would be a great guy to bring in to help a, help a young secondary. Uh, Chris Conti and the guy in Chicago that's, uh, you know, struggled with injuries throughout his career, but uh, always, always plays the game hard, and that's obviously been been uh, not not so good for him, but uh, he's certainly a guy that really can bring a lot to the table. Um, but I, I think one of the more important guys out there, and it's because he needs to be re-signed by his team, is Byron Maxwell. Uh, I don't remember if you mentioned him or not, but uh, obviously a member of that Legion to boom up there in Seattle, and with you know, uncertainty around that team and the fact that Richard Sherman's kind of taking the wait-and-see approach on his elbow, see if it heals, and Earl Thomas might not be ready for the start of the season next year. You know, Chancellor, who knows what's going on with that knee, Jeremy Lane, broken arm. You would think the one healthy guy that was a free agent that made under $700,000 last year would be a, a guy that they could re-sign for somewhat of a, a team-friendly deal. Obviously, he's going to get a raise, you know, probably – probably a pretty decent one, but don't you think that Seattle should do 
what they can to get this guy. They've had a lot of turnover defense defensive wise with their coaching staff, but Maxwell just is a guy that understands, you know, the, the mentality that they, they want on this team and I think he's when he's been put to the test, Nick, I think he's answered quite well for the Seattle defense, don't you think? Oh, I agree. Uh, they definitely would like to keep him. It's just a matter of how much his money is he going to command on the open market. Yeah, they've got guys like Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson that are going to demand huge paydays that I think are a lot more important to the team to keep, plus the the drama with uh, Marshawn Lynch. Is he coming back? Is he not coming back? Do they have to give him a raise? A lot, so many question marks there in Seattle, uh, financially-wise, that uh, you know, it just depends on how much Maxwell, what kind of a hometown discount I think that he's willing to give out. And uh, one more guy that I don't think we mentioned was uh, Devin McCourty. He was a key component to that uh, Super Bowl champion New England defense, and he's only 28 years old. He's, he might be the top safety available. Uh, you look at this class of safeties especially, though, it's nowhere near as top-heavy as it was last year. Remember Jarius Bird, Dante Whitner, T.J. Ward, Mike Mitchell, and on Antoine Bethea all signed $20 million or more contracts. Uh, nowhere near as top-heavy this year. Yeah. Yeah, Werner was another guy that was out there last year too, right? Yeah, I believe so. Did you see? Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's not a really huge class, but there's some definitely intriguing names. Uh, Maxwell. Yeah, I I really think he sh- he needs to stay in Seattle. Um, Flowers, Cromartie, Downwest, you know those those are guys that I still think have a lot left in the tank. So we'll we'll see how that all all works out there. Um, I. I think that's all we got on the free agents. Wow, we made it. Um, didn't even seem that long. But anyway, each week another thing that we're going to bring you is a little something that we like to call Nick Rant. It's where I give my co-host Nick the floor to just kind of rant about something that's bothering him. It's not always going to be football-related. Uh, it might be pop culture. It might be about food. He is a, a chef as well. So, uh, Nick, what do you got for us? Well, Chef might be overselling it. I just say cook. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Peyton Manning recently met with the Broncos to let him know that he's good to go for 2015 and feels like he's going to once again be able to compete at a high level. Speculation arose, however, that Denver may not want him back. One rumor even that the team would fail his physical no matter what kind of shape he was in. Uh, I mean, give me a break. I mean, yeah, his play slipped over the last six games, including the playoff loss to Indy, but that also coincides with when his quad got injured. Uh, his last six games... Six touchdowns, six interceptions, only one game over 300 yards, uh, with three games with 211 or less yards. But by far, he's still the best option in 2015. Maybe Brock Osweiler will be good. I don't know. I do know that the last quarterback his height in the NFL was Dan McGuire in the early 90s, and that didn't work out too well for him. doesn't mean it's impossible, but we haven't seen a quarterback that size work out well in recent years. Uh, and they're not going to be in a position to draft a top uh a quarterback, and there's no free agents really there. I mean, do you really want to be known as the guy who ditched Peyton Manning for Brian Hoyer or Mark Sanchez? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, you know, while Peyton faded down the stretch, he still had the second most yards and third most touchdowns of any season in his career. The first 11 games were that good. And, of course, at 39 years old, you worry if he can physically hold up when he couldn't do it last year. So I want to kind of throw a unique idea that I can't really remember being done in football, but how about sort of a pitch count? The goal isn't to go 16-0. and It's to win your division and then be in a position to win the Super Bowl. 
So, you know, maybe give him the last non-divisional game each month off or sit him week 6 through 10 or 7 through 11. Do something to keep him fresh or have a couple games where the game plan is to have him only play one half, either the first or second half. I don't know what which option would work better. A sports doctor would probably know what method or some combination of methods would work best. And yes, it would definitely be a tough sell to ask Peyton to take time off during the season. And there's no other quarterback I would ever propose this for. He's not the greatest quarterback of all time, but he is a one-in-a-million case with just the cerebral approach that he has to the game. You know, John Elway would definitely have to stroke Peyton Manning's ego the right way to convince him. But if anybody could get to, could convince Peyton Manning to do this, I think it would be John Elway. He could bring in the fact that in Elway's last season, he started 12 games. They went 10-2 and two in those 12 games. And you could mention the help that that helped, that helped retire on top with the Super Bowl championship. Uh, what do you think, Josh? Oh, it's an interesting idea. Uh, but like you said, um, you get, you wonder about you know how fresh that could keep him if they actually win the division, go into the playoffs. But I think it's crazy enough to work. Um, you know, I I guess I wouldn't be surprised if Manny. Hung it up. You obviously we're not looking at that situation as of right now, but uh, I, I, it's it's a it's a weird thing. But you want to you want to make sure it's the right call. And you know Manning, I think would be mature enough to to handle that situation uh, for what it was and know that it would be uh, for the betterment of his team. But you've just it's it's hard because you've never seen that type of thing done before. So I I, I don't know. Uh, um, but I'm a Raiders fan, so I guess I shouldn't care that much. But uh, maybe, and maybe that's why I want to see him retire. But anyway, I, I don't know what Denver, you know, what Denver was is honestly truly expecting out of him when he comes back. You know, they've had a lot of turnover, and they could potentially be looking at you know, you know, a whole new receiving core next year. Um, they've had issues at, at running back. You got to have all these other things in place, I think, before you you feel comfortable with doing that and obviously they're going to come start the NFL season with that stuff all in place but you just, you you wonder about the confidence level since we've seen Manning kind of kind of slide down the tube there last year unfortunately with that unfortunate injury so uh you know you, you can never count the Broncos out or you can never count a Peyton Manning team out, led you know team that Peyton Manning's leading out so it, um We'll see what happens. He's he's certainly been one of the one of the best players of our generation, even if he isn't the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, so you, you don't want to see him go out on, on a bad note, and I'm sure that's kind of what he's thinking. He wants to wants to retire uh, as a Super Bowl champion, but he's certainly got quite the uh, quite the hill to climb. I think if he does come back, um, be, uh, and you know maybe you wonder if. Obviously, if they won the Super Bowl two years ago, he probably wouldn't have come back. And uh, the fact that they lost it the way they did is probably uh, the reason that he wants to continue going to prove that he can he can be a be a winner again. So yeah, it's a it's a weird situation there, but uh, we're just gonna have to wait and see what uh, happens. Um, what what do we think about uh, uh, our IDP draft, Nick? Like I said, I've started three mock drafts now, so. I'm really confusing myself, but why don't we just stick with the first one that we did since we're really, really deep into that, and why don't you kind of get people updated on your team and uh, where you're at with that? 
Okay, well, I went into the draft uh, thinking a couple things. Uh, one, our you know dynasty, dynasty Dan Hines uh, told us a long time ago, you want to build a dynasty team around wide receivers. So, you know, with my first two picks, I went with Odell Beckham Jr. and Kelvin Benjamin. Really think I got a great, young, solid group to build around there. And then third round, Cam Newton, nice quarterback. And then I went with a couple linebackers, uh, Alec Ogletree, the tackling machine there in St. Louis, and then uh, Von Miller probably reached for him. Uh, wasn't familiar enough with the scoring setup there. That was a rookie mistake on my behalf as far as IDP is concerned. Uh, then I went with the safety, uh, Morgan Burnett there in Green Bay. He's been one of the top safeties in uh, IDP leagues. Then I got a young receiver, Devontae Adams, in the seventh round. Uh his value really hinges on Randall Cobb leaving. If Randall Cobb does exit via free agency, I think Devontae Adams will end up being a steal there in the seventh round, being uh, the number two receiver for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, then I took another safety, Jonathan Cypher, and a young kid in Jacksonville, a uh, pretty good IDP player. Uh, then I got my fourth receiver, John Brown. So I got four young wide receivers, all all of them rookies last year. Should be set for the next, you know, seven to ten years, hopefully, a wide receiver. Uh, I took Dwayne Allen. He's had some injury concerns, uh, but he's one of Andrew Luck's top targets, and when he plays, he seems to score his touchdown every week. So hopefully it'll be a good tight end for me there in the tenth round. Uh, and then defensive end Sheldon Richardson, another young player there uh, in with the Jets. Yeah, if you haven't noticed, I like to go really young in Dynasty Leagues to get myself set up for the future. Not really concerned about winning in year one. I want to be competitive over the long haul. Now, if you noticed, uh, it's not 11 rounds, and I haven't taken any running backs yet. So my next two picks, uh, I took the Flyers and a couple backs. Uh, Charles Sims there in Tampa Bay could pan out, could be worthless. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, And then Bryce Brown, I really think in Buffalo with C.J. Spiller probably gone. Brett Taylor basically ancient at this point. I think Bryce Brown, sooner rather than later, is going to get some opportunities there in Buffalo. And that's as far as I've gotten in mind. There are 13 rounds. Okay. Uh, well, my I've gotten, uh, let's see, I'll just go with the quarter, quarterbacks here. I took Andrew Luck with my first pick in the, in the first round. I figured he was the best, best dynasty quarterback I could do. And then I went to Luke Keegley. Uh, in the second round, and then I'll just finish here with my defense, what I got so far. I just recently took Jerry Hughes. I uh, also have Kiko Alonso, uh, Shaq Thompson, and uh, the safety down there in Arizona, Rashad Johnson, who really – who Rashad Johnson, excuse me, who really grew up as far as I'm concerned last year and was a, is a big part of that uh, defense, and I think he's going to be a solid player for them for, for years to come, so I really like him. I love, obviously, Keegley. Um, and hopefully Alonzo can bounce back from that injury and be the same type of player he was as a rookie. Jerry Hughes uh, looking for some double-digit sack totals there. Shaq Thompson, uh, interesting case here with uh, not yet drafted player. Some people have this guy listed safety. Some people have listed as a linebacker. Um, I think wherever he goes, he's still going to be making a lot of tackles, and obviously with the IDP format, you w- certainly would want him playing linebacker because I think that's, there's going to be more opportunities there. Uh, i got Greg Olson at, at tight end, uh, a little bit of an older player, but you need, uh, I think, an, a good tight end anchor out there, and there's plenty of young tight ends still out there so I can get a backup. At, at receiver, I got, of course, I got my one of my favorite players in the NFL and DeAndre Hopkins, and then I got uh, – Three rookies to go with him. Um, excuse me, two rookies to go with him, and Devontae Parker and Kevin White. 
probably my, my two favorite wide receivers in this draft, so pretty happy to have both of those guys. I sat there after I took Kevin White, and I was like, oh, I hope Parker makes it back to me, and he, he ultimately did. So I think both of those guys are going to go somewhere where they need them to be playing week one and make a big impact. So uh, at running back, I have Alfred Morris, who I lo- love the nice stability that he's given Washington. Hopefully he can keep that going. Then I grabbed a couple more rookies and Kevin Campbell and uh, Melvin Gordon. So I'm certainly certainly going young here in that dynasty-style format there. I think um, Campbell and Gordon are probably the best running backs out there. Gurley, Gurley went super high, and I took Gordon pretty high as well. But I, 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 think, uh, I think I like Coleman and Gordon a little bit better. And then I already already have a back quarterback in Tom Brady. So uh, guys like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning went way, way deep in this draft because it is a dynasty-style format. So a uh, little surprise there where I got Brady, but I just thought the value was too good, especially if I can get a squeak another year out of him in that best ball-style league. So I'm pretty, pretty happy to have Luck and Brady on my team but with a lot of youth as well. So um, another series that uh, we're going to continue we're going to do for you guys moving forward something we started our our old gig with with our at our old gig over at rotorob.com excuse me uh, that's where me and Nick came from and that's where Dan kind of brought us over from is uh, we're doing this this uh best ever at this number series and we've only got to through number 8 so far so uh, we're going to go through and give you a, a recap of of who we've talked about so far um Obviously, there's really been one number zero in NFL history, and that is, uh, uh, excuse me, double zero, and that's Jim Otto. Um, and then, I forget, what's that guy's name for the, that wore the number zero, Nick? And Do you remember him at all? Probably not. Um, no. Hall of Famer. But anyway, obviously, Warren, Warren Moon was the was the the number one one. Uh, and did you have anybody else out there in number one that we wanted to talk about? Uh, nope, I did not prepare anybody for number one. But Warren Moon was so, pretty yeah. much a hands down, I believe, there at number one. Yes, the only the, the player that wore number zero that's in the Hall of Fame is a guy by the name of Wilbur Pete Henry, a 5'11", 245-pound tackle. Um, so my, how the game has changed. Uh, but uh, obviously that was a long time ago. Um, number two, we kind of, I think we went with Matt Ryan, a kind of a, not, there's a couple guys in the NFL that wore that number, but uh, Matt Ryan was probably the best, don't you think? Oh, definitely. And the fact that he still has, you know, a number of good years left in him, he, he's definitely going to be the finish as the number two, best number two. Yeah, as far as number three, some Hall of Famers, uh, Bronco Nagurski and uh, uh, Jan Stenerud, and well, Nick also brought up uh, Mark Mark Mosley, only kicker to ever win the MVP, and that was a strike shortened season. Is that right, Nick? Uh, that's right. That was the 1982 season that was strike shortened. But he was the only kicker to ever win NFL MVP. So we gave him the ed- slight edge over Jan Stenerud just because we can foresee uh, another kicker like Adam Vinatieri getting into the Hall of Fame, whereas there's no way another kicker is going to win MVP, right? Yes, most definitely. And let's not forget Daryl Monica. Um, I think the stat you threw out there was 36-1-4 and as a starter in his first few years year there in Oakland. So uh, kind of the where the Oakland philosophy all started with uh, LaMonica just bombing that ball downfield. Uh, number uh, 
number four. Who did we have for number four? What did you have for number four there, Nick? Benetieri? Oh, uh, yeah, that would be the biggest no-brainer ever. Brett Favre, 71,000 yards, 508 touchdowns, and three straight NFL MVPs. <laughs> yeah, hands down, Brett Favre for number four. And Where's then uh, you look at number... Worth a mention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Vinatieri gets a mention, but <laughs> but really, you're going to put a kicker over Brett Favre. <laughs> yeah, no. So then, uh, then, then, then you move on to number five. Uh, we went with Joe Flacco. He's got the Super Bowl ring, so that gives him a slight edge over uh, Donovan McNabb. And Kerry Collins also had his few decent years. Uh, then you move on to number six. <laughs> we had no choice but to give it to your favorite player, Josh, Jay Cutler. Seriously, when his only competition was uh, Bubby Brister, uh, Mark Sanchez, and uh, Mark Wilson, your favorite player, went 11-2 and two with Oakland in 1985. Yeah, Jay Cutler is the greatest all-time number six. Uh, Hall of Famers that wore number six, Earl Dutch Clark and uh, Benny Friedman, of course, of the 1927 Cleveland Bulldogs. Let's not forget Benny Friedman, Nick. Anyway. <laughs> uh, number uh, number seven, of course, we have Elway versus uh, Ben Roethlisberger, and we we got we got to give the edge to Elway, right? Oh, definitely. Uh, no, no slight to Ben Roethlisberger, great player, but he, he's no John Elway. Okay, um, and then uh, number number eight was uh, Troy Aikman versus. Uh, Steve Young, uh, hard call there. Basically, you just uh, flip a quarter and I guess decide what your what your need is. There, don't you think, Nick? Um, yeah, and we gave the slight edge to Troy Aikman. Steve Young does have the better numbers over his career, but Troy Aikman, the fact that he was able to get that Dallas locker room, which was, you know, one massive ego after another, he was actually able to get that group to gel under under him and win multiple championships. So we've got to give it to Troy Aikman there. Okay, so that brings us up to where we need to be for today's show, and that is the best number nine. Um, only one Washington Redskin has actually worn the number nine, and I bet Nick knows who that is. Uh, do you? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> that would be uh, uh, is that, is that, a, is that a little teaser there for uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's yes, you. Because <laughs> he's definitely Sonny Jurgensen. Yep. Yes, and there not a lot of other people. Um, you know, the only other modern era quarterback that came into my mind was uh, was uh, Dan McMahon. So I, I, I guess Jurgensen, you got to you got to roll the clock back a little bit to remember him. But uh, it's probably got to go to Jurgensen, don't you think? Uh, yeah, you know, but there's a uh, there's quite a few other guys to to mention. Uh, your guy Shane Leckler is a six time All Pro punter. Um, Jim McMahon, who you mentioned, he quarterbacked one of the most best and most entertaining teams of all time, those '85 Bears. And then you got the late Steve McNair. He was the 2003 NFL Most Valuable Player and came within a yard of beating the Rams in a Super Bowl, over 31,000 yards, and was the first quarterback after the team moved from Houston to Tennessee following the '96 season. Uh, you also got four-time Pro Bowler Tony Romo. Uh, to me, he's one of the most underappreciated players in the league has seen in a long time. 33,000 yards, 242 touchdowns against only 110 picks, uh, three years with 11 or more wins, 
uh, 25 or more touchdowns in seven seasons, including each of the last four. The guy plays through injuries, and I've said for a while that Cowboys fans who wish they'd move on to a different quarterback, be careful what you wish for because you can do a lot worse than Tony Romo. Um, then, then the final two guys, Drew Brees. He's a nine-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl MVP, two-time Offensive Player of the Year, 56,000 yards and 396 touchdowns. It's pretty good for a guy who, coming into the league, people thought was a weak-armed guy who was too short to really play in the NFL. And, you know, Drew Brees is probably going to be a Hall of Famer. But to me, my number one guy is already in the Hall of Fame, two-time All-Pro. He's considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You mentioned one of the few guys to have a their number retired in Washington, Sonny Jurgensen. Uh, five-time Pro Bowler, threw over 30 touchdowns in both 1961 and 1967. That was a very different era as far as the passing game is concerned. Uh, only two winning seasons as his team's main starter, even though he did go 10-2 and two over his final three seasons in the NFL when called upon to start. Played until he was 40 years old, and that's typically when you could do back when you could do anything to a quarterback short of stabbing him when he's in the pocket. Uh, it's a it's probably a biased choice to put him over Drew Brees, but I bet there's more than a few non-biased old timers that would agree that Sonny Jurgensen is the best number nine of all time. Uh, yeah, you bring up some good names there, and Romo and Brees too. And I just I, as a massive college football fan, never ever doubted. Drew Brees in his ability. I just, I never got like, why was he even, you know, in San Diego with Phillip Rivers? I just, I, and when he hit the open market, I was just like, would somebody from Oakland just drive a semi full of money down there and bring him back? I just, uh, obviously he's got the Super Bowl ring now too. And he, he's proven to be one heck of a player and just a leader throughout his career. Um, probably the probably the best number nine right now. Obviously, Romo needs to get off of that uh, that playoff schneid and rattle off a couple wins in a row before people really want to give, give give him the respect. But you know, uh, he's got to live up to the Aikmans and Roger Staubachs there in Dallas. So he's certainly got a lot of pressure on him. And uh, yeah, if Dallas, like you said, if Dallas the Dallas people out there are really doubting Tony Romo, why don't you just take a look at the free agent quarterbacks or go back and listen to the free agent quarterbacks we just talked about. You want you want Mark Sanchez? Uh yeah, or just look and see who your backup is right now. Kyle Orton didn't want to stay there. Oh, guess what you have Brandon Wheaton. <laughs> I think he would uh, much prefer to see Tony Romo trot on the field week one than just about anybody anybody else out there that is available. So uh but yeah, Sonny Jurgensen uh, obviously a name that Redskins fans are going to be a lot more familiar with, but uh, certainly a quality player there and a uh, Hall of Famer to boot. So uh, next week uh, we'll, we'll get you up. We'll get you the best number 10 in the NFL history. So uh, that's a series that we've been having a lot of fun with. And uh, uh, as somebody who loves uh, the nostalgia and the history of football, I certainly certainly have enjoyed doing it. So um, that's all we really have for you today. Next week we're going to start our uh, team reviews. We're going to do a division each Wednesday. Uh, and uh, next week we're starting with the NFC West. So we're going to have a couple couple writers come on and talk about their respective teams. We have Brian Tesh coming on from Fantasy Pros and uh, Dana O'Gorman coming on from NFL Female Both both people that we are familiar with that have been on a podcast with us before. So looking forward to having them come back and talk to us. 
Um, but we're going to start the show with Deshaun Ross, who is a uh, defensive tackle draft hopeful from Kentucky State University. Um, kind of a fringe prospect, so uh, we'll get his kind of view and see where he's at in the training and see if he can uh, sell, sell himself to us as far as uh, – uh, him getting to the NFL. Uh, if you haven't watched film on him, make sure you check him out on Twitter at uh, BossRoss557. He, uh, he's he got some good film posted there and a lot of energy for a defensive tackle. So looking forward to talking to uh, Deshaun Ross next week, as well as Brian Tesh and Dana O'Gorman. Nick, uh, any closing thoughts? Uh, just one more number nine that I uh, forgot to mention. He only played for three years. Definitely not a significant player, but when you see the name Happy Feller on a list, you got to throw that out there, right? <laughs> Happy Feller. All right. Uh, oh, and nice work on the Shane Leckler props, too. It's unfortunate when your best player is the punter, but uh, obviously <laughs> when you're a bad team, you need to have a really good punter because otherwise he'd be a worse team. So, uh, But, yeah, I appreciate you giving my guy Leckler some props, even if he's not in there anymore. But uh certainly have a lot of respect for our current punter, who is also a free agent. I know we talked about free agent punters today uh, and, Mar- and Marquette King. So if they figure out a, a way to use punters in the fantasy game, I would certainly prefer that over kickers. Uh, I don't know how they would do that, maybe average the punt uh, length or whatever. But, anyway. Not prepared for that. <laughs> Maybe next week we'll talk about <laughs> incorporating punters into the fantasy game. But uh, that's all we have for you. Again, I want to thank uh, Dan, Jay, and Jeff for uh, bringing us into the fold. And uh, and uh, if you had any issues trying to listen to this podcast, if you thought you were going to join it live, we had a little bit of a time issue before. But this is the time it's going to be at. It's going to be at 2.30 Eastern. Excuse me. One, it's going to start at 1:30 Eastern every Wednesday, so that's 12:30 Central, 11:30 Mountain, and 10:30 Pacific time. So this is the time it's going to be. Uh, so, but make sure you can check out all the great articles we have right now on Dynasty Football Warehouse, and I got to dive, dive into that Crow Isle versus West one myself, written by our good friend Mike Crafick. So, uh, thanks to all the boys at DFW, and uh, thanks for uh, listening. And we look forward to bringing this to you each and every week. Uh, like I said, we're going to hit team reviews hard here for the next uh, next eight weeks. So you uh, stay tuned, and then hopefully we'll uh, commence that with a uh, show on draft night so that's all things that we have in store for you and then we're just gonna be breaking down rookies like crazy all summer long and 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 whatnot so we got a lot in store for you uh each and every week so make sure you come back and listen tell your friends share it on twitter we we appreciate anything and certainly we always have the chat room open if you want to comment or or give us a call so this has been the dynasty pulse brought to you by the dynasty football warehouse Have a great night, great day, and thank you for listening. You think it's a game? You think it's a game?
the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.